If you would, turn in your Bibles to chapter 4 of Joshua. I'll be reading verses 19 through 24 out of the English Standard Version. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. It had been a very long 40 years as the people wandered in a desolate wilderness. But oh, the things they saw. They had witnessed water come out of a rock on more than one occasion. They had seen food appear on the ground when the night before, when they went to bed, there was none. And they wake up the next morning and it's there. They had seen food literally fall from the sky as God provided them quail. They had seen a cloud lead them as they followed through this wilderness. At night they saw fire that did the same thing. And one of the difficult things that they saw were thousands and thousands of their kinsmen dying as they wandered through that desolate place. They had seen a lot of things. And now they stood on the threshold of a new life. Settling down was now closer than it had been in 40 years. But standing between them and the promised land was a river, the Jordan. But that would be no problem because God was going to take care of that for them. Just like He had taken care of the Red Sea decades before, God would take care of the Jordan in a similar way. God had promised them victory if they would trust Him. And trust Him, they did. God had told the priests, you lead the way. 
And as you step into the river, I'll halt the waters. And so, taking God at His word, they stepped out in faith. And as the priests stepped into the Jordan, God did exactly what He told them He would do. He stopped the flowing of the river so that the waters walled up, upstream. And it allowed them to walk across on dry land. But God had also given them additional instructions, which might have seemed kind of odd at the beginning, but it would make sense. God told them to select 12 men, one from each of the tribes, and that as, they, as those men walked across this dry riverbed, each of them was to pick up a stone and carry it across to the promised land. And when they reached the other side, they were to set those twelve stones up to stack them in some fashion to create a memorial. And then God said to them, that it would be something for their children to know about in the future. And as the text says in Joshua chapter 4, verse 21 specifically, when your children ask in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them. Tell them how the Lord dried up the river that you may cross. Tell them about this great event that you witnessed. That allowed you to take this land and live in it as a fulfillment of God's promise. When your children ask, tell them. We're beginning tonight a series of lessons that we are basing on this particular statement that God made to His people long ago. When your children ask. God wants each generation taught. Christianity is a taught and learned religion. They that have heard from the Father and learned are the ones who come to me, Jesus said. John 6, verses 44 and 45. And God has used memorials throughout history as teaching opportunities. If you go back even to the book of Genesis, chapter 9, we read about one of those memorials. And we still see that memorial occasionally in our day. It's called a rainbow. And in Genesis chapter 9, God is said to have put the rainbow in the sky in the aftermath of the flood. And He said that this is a memorial. This is something to remember. That when you see the rainbow in the sky, you remember that God made a promise that He would never again destroy the world by flood as He did in the days of Noah. 
can read about a memorial in the book of Acts that the Apostle Paul mentions to some idol-worshipping people in the city of Lystra who had just tried to offer sacrifice and worship to Paul and Barnabas, and Paul stopped them. He told them about God, the one God, the true God of heaven. And he said, God has not left himself without witness of himself. In what way? How has God left a witness of himself? He gave you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling your hearts with food and gladness, Acts 14, 17. When we experience the rains from heaven, when we are the beneficiaries of fruitful seasons that allow us to have our physical needs met, and through that we enjoy happiness. That's a memorial, Paul said. That's evidence of God and God's care and God's goodness toward all of us. Exodus chapter 12, the Passover. That, for the Jewish people, was a memorial that God wanted them to observe every year so that they could remember how God had led them out of Egypt and how He had defeated the Egyptians and allowed them to enjoy freedom. A memorial. And, of course, in the church today, There's a memorial that we observe every week when we assemble together on the first day of the week, the Lord's Supper, that the Apostle Paul references in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and speaks of it as exactly that. This do in remembrance of me, Jesus said. It's a memorial. And so all of those things are are just a few of of the, the different kinds of remembrances that God has utilized throughout the years for people, for us, to help us to remember. Because God wants each generation of people taught. And that was the purpose here in Joshua chapter 4. When your children ask in years to come, you tell them. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 20, we find in the law, God saying, when your son asks you in times to come, You tell him. Exodus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. With regard to the plagues, God told them that those stories, those events, were to be told in the hearing of your son and your grandson. Exodus 10, 1 and 2. Turn with me, if you would, to these passages. I mentioned those just uh, kind of quickly, but I want you to see these yourself. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Love to hear those pages turning. That's great. In an age of uh, electronics where a lot of people can turn silently, it's still good to hear the pages. Deuteronomy 31, verse 12, beginning. Assemble the people. Men women and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan 
to possess. While you're there, turn the page to chapter 32 and notice verse number 7. Deuteronomy 32, 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. And then he goes on to talk about the things that they would learn from their fathers. Turn to the book of Psalms with me. The 78th. Psalm 78. Psalm 78 beginning in verse 3. Uh, verse 2 actually. Psalm 78 beginning in 2. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things we have heard and known, notice it, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but to keep His commandments. The prophet Joel said in Joel chapter 1, verse 3, Tell your children of it and let your children... Tell their children. Are we getting an emphasis that comes out in Scripture? How God wants each generation to learn the things of God? Why is that so important? It's clear that it is. Else we wouldn't have all of these references in Scripture to the need to teach each generation. But why? I believe Judges chapter 2 verse 10 gives us the answer. Judges chapter 2 verse 10. The period of the judges was one of the darkest periods in Israel's history, spiritually speaking. And ultimately it boiled down to a lack of instruction. Judges 2, verse 10, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. That's one of the interesting ways, uh, one of the euphemistic ways that the Bible sometimes speaks of death. They were gathered to their fathers. But look at the end of that verse, Judges 2, 10, And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. <clears throat> See, the problem was, as one generation died out, another generation grew up. But that new generation didn't know God. They didn't know about everything that God had done for Israel and in Israel. And that's what ultimately led to that terrible period of the judges when God's people were about as far away from Him as they ever were. I fear personally that history is repeating itself. As evidenced in part 
by the many children who leave the Lord once they've left the nest. And that's a tragedy. And I understand that even well-instructed children can leave the faith, and many have. It's not necessarily a reflection on, uh, on, their, on their parents, but in some cases it may be. But the fact remains that we put our children in the best position to succeed when we teach them. God has said, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. And we see that principle throughout the Old Testament especially, but of course in the New Testament, Ephesians 6. But when we see statements like we read in those Old Testament passages that say, when your children ask, tell them that God in saying that established that principle of how He wants parents to teach their children the things that they need to know about God. And I want you to notice this very important thing that you don't find in those texts. You don't find God saying in those ancient words, when your children ask, send them to the priest. He said, when your children ask, you tell them. Now, could the priest help? Sure. But that wasn't God's point. God said, when your children ask, you tell them. If our children grow up without learning the principles, without being exposed to them, if I stand before God, and I will, and if when I stand before God, God asks me about my children and what they learned or perhaps what they didn't. And he says to me, your children didn't learn the things they needed to learn. I'll not be able to say, well, the church should have done more. No. God's going to look at me and say, well, just a second. Aren't you their father? Didn't I say, fathers, train your children? Parents, train your children? Yeah, that's what he said. Can the church help? Sure. But ultimately, God says, when your children ask, you tell them. God wants each generation taught. And we parents have the responsibility to do that. But another point I want for us to consider from Joshua 4 verse 21 is the fact that that passage implies that children are going to ask. It's interesting that he doesn't say, if your children ask, he says, when your children ask. Children are naturally inquisitive. 
but their questions will come from what they experience. So that adds another level of responsibility to us as parents. We as parents need to so act that we give our children things to ask us about. I mentioned earlier in passing Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 20 which says, when your children ask, what do these laws mean? What I didn't mention earlier was what was stated two verses prior to that, Deuteronomy 6 verse 18, where God said to His people, you shall do what is right and good. And when your children ask, what do these laws mean? Then you tell them. You see the progression? God said to His people, you need to act a certain way. You need to live according to these laws. You need to yourself be obedient to these things. And then, as your children see you obeying these laws, they will ask, well, what means these laws? And then you teach them. Back to Joshua chapter 4. Verse 20 tells us that the stones were set up. As they brought those twelve stones out of the river, they set them up. They were involved. They did that their actions would then give the opportunity in years to come for their children to say, hey, what do these rocks mean? Their questions would follow from the actions of the parents. From the actions of the previous generation. And so we need to be living in such a way that our children have something to ask us about. Are you living... Your Christianity? And so when your children ask, what will you say? When your children ask about God, what will you say? When your children ask, why do we believe in God? What will you say? When your children ask about worship, what will you say? When they ask you, why is our worship different from the way other people worship? How might you answer that? When your children ask about marriage, what will you say? When your children ask about the family and the home and and various questions about that, the permanence of marriage, what will you say? When your children ask about eternity, what will you say? When they ask, is there life beyond this existence, what will you say? When they ask, what happens when we die, what will you say? When your children ask about the Bible, what will you say? When they ask, is the Bible really God's Word? And how do we know that it's God's Word? What will you say? When your children ask about salvation. When they ask about sin. When they ask why sin is so serious. When they ask why is salvation important. What's baptism about? When they ask those questions, what will you say? 
See, we can't give them answers that we don't ourselves know. When your children ask. Many of us in this assembly tonight can be very grateful for parents who taught us. I suspect Timothy was grateful as Paul reminded him of the things that he learned at the feet of his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 and 15, as they taught him the Scriptures that were able to make him wise unto salvation. Many of us are in the same position. And we can say, as the psalmist did in Psalm 44, verse 1, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us. What a great statement. But I know some of you can't make that statement. Because maybe you weren't raised in a Christian home and your parents didn't tell you the things that you have now come to know and understand through the help of others and through your own reading and study of the Word of God. But even though you may not be able to express gratitude for the teaching that you received from your parents, I know this, you can break that cycle. And you can be the first in your family. To make it such that your children can grow up and say, we have heard with our ears. Our parents have told us. Don't send your children out into a skeptic, a skeptical, hostile world without proper training. Yes, Bible classes and sermons can help. And I hope that this series of lessons that we'll do, in which we'll answer some of those questions about God and about the Bible and why we believe it and why we have faith and things perhaps about eternity and salvation. and Maybe they'll help. I hope they do. But as a parent, as a father, as a mother... What are you doing specifically to help your children to grow up to understand what God would want them to know? When your children ask, can you tell them? And if not, why not? We'll be studying some of these things, and I hope and pray that it will be a beneficial study for all of us over the next few weeks. Pray with me, please. Gracious Father, we thank you so much that you have revealed your will to us on the pages of the Bible. We're thankful that you've told us of your mighty works, of the things that you've done through history to bring about our salvation from sin, the things that you've done that offer us hope, confident expectation of future reward. 
we're thankful that you've preserved that information for us and that it's so easily available to us in the country in which we live. And we're thankful, Father, that we have time and opportunity to study, to learn, to increase not only our understanding of these things, but our appreciation for them. And we pray, Father, that you would forgive us for those times that Bible study hasn't been important to us and that we've allowed other things to so occupy our time that we haven't spent very much time with you. But we pray, Father, that you would forgive us of that as we offer you our gratitude for second chances. We pray that we would be stronger, that we would grow in our understanding of your will, and that we would continue, as long as we live, to better prepare ourselves so that when our children or perhaps our grandchildren or others ask us, we'll be able, as best we can, to direct them to your word, that we might help strengthen their faith so that we won't raise a generation that does not know you and that does not know what you've done in your world. Father, we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful that we know about him through your word. And we pray that we would devote ourselves fully and completely to our service, to him and to you. Through him we pray. Amen. There may be someone in the assembly tonight that needs to respond to the invitation that we always offer. The Lord's invitation is always open. And so that means it's open now. If you're outside the body of Christ and are ready to make your commitment to the Lord by putting your faith and your confidence in Him based upon what you know about Him, and you're willing to repent of your sins and confess Him, and be baptized to have your sins washed away by His blood. Would you let us know that tonight? If you would like to study more about that, uh, to open up the Word of God and see more clearly, perhaps, what God would have you to do and what God has done for you, you can let us know that tonight and we'll study the Word of God with you. Most of you in this assembly tonight are already Christians. I understand that. Maybe you haven't been as committed as you need to be to learning more about the God who created you and the Lord and Savior who washed your sins away. If you need to make some changes in your life, make them tonight. And if that requires a, a, a public response, we're ready to pray with you and for you. But if you can do that on your own, do that. But if you need to make changes, make them, whether public or not. And if we can help you, we're here to do that. Let us stand and sing again.